up, what up, everybody? Welcome to the first, the latest, the greatest Nesson After Hours podcast of the year 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. Emerson Lotzi, Cecilia Godwin here with you. How long can you go with wishing people a happy new year, by the way? Like, is it the cutoff already? Uh, I would I would say today might be the cutoff. I think a week, I think a solid week. And then after that, like it's, you're in 2021. You don't need to say anything what, else. You just have a nice day. What if I haven't, what if I haven't seen like an individual, like in March, maybe a cross paths with someone I haven't seen all year. Can I wish them a happy new year then? No, just say, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're still alive. <laughs> yeah, for real, dude. Oh, God. Uh, well, it's good to see you. Um, thanks for being here today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, you too, man. Um, uh, this Thursday, we had a wild Wednesday in our nation, and it's been kind of tough to think about sports, but um, I welcome this distraction to kind of talk about something else right now. Um, because yep. there is a lot to talk about. Uh, we, we got hockey coming at us next week, a week from today, the, the Bruins are going to drop puck in, in New Jersey. So Yay! I know everybody's looking forward to that. There's been a lot of changes, uh, a lot of questions surrounding this Bruins team, um, the state of the blue line captaincy. We're going to have some news today. So with, without further ado, let's bring in Sophia Yerkstevich, our Bruins rinkside reporter. Also, she's been killing it on Nesson After Hours on the show. Oh my God, she is so great. What a good person. And she's always so nice to me. I'm so happy we <laughs> have her on again. I don't know who my favorite Canadian is, if it's Andrew Raycroft or you, oh, Sophia. Damn, damn. It's, it's, damn. it's I mean, hard. I, I can't pick. Razor. No, take Razor for sure. Um, you got, like, he's been there longer at Nesson. Emerson, I am not always nice to you, but hold on, before we get into Bruin okay. stuff, I do want to weigh in on the New Year's thing. Yeah, go for it. I think you wish people a happy new year, the people you actually like at yeah. midnight, right? Midnight and then like the day after maybe. Everyone else you're wishing a happy new year, it's like awkward at office chatter. It's like, oh, oh, you totally. oh, happy new year, yes. You know, it's like the fourth. Those are the people. And at that point, yeah. it's empty anyway. You don't mean it. So you could say it forever. But like, you know I what? started a lot of my work emails with happy new year and I don't mean it. I'm like, yo, I'm just awkward. I like, oh, wow. Right, hey. right. Yeah, but it's it's not as bad as like the per my last email line, like when you're Ooh, exchanging emails bad. with people. But I agree with you. Like even when I'm dog walking now and a week later, it's like, yeah, the, the little talk and you're just like happy new year. Yeah, it's like, man, yeah. look, how about this weather? <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, all right, let's exactly. just get this over with. It's definitely yeah. a little fake. I think people are being polite, but I think we're at the point now where we need to move on and just, you, 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 it, it should be enough to be like, okay, have a nice day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the week, That's it. The week is good. The week uh, timeline is good, Celie. So I'm with you there. But like, and if you're not saying it to me on New Year's Eve or the day after, we yeah. don't talk about each other. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's it's over yeah. with. It's now have a nice day, have a nice life, whatever you want to say. Uh, <laughs> Sophia. Yeah. Who's wearing the C? Well, Ooh. it's Patrice Bergeron. Oh my oh God. Oh my God, we're shocked. I know, I know. What a shocker. <laughs> but you know what? I, I can't remember if it was Don Sweeney or Cam Neely, but one of the the big guys that the Bruins had a Zoom last week, and he even referenced to saying, oh, it's not going to surprise anyone, you know, couldn't say it, but everyone knew it, and holy moly, well-deserved Patrice Bergeron, the new captain of the Boston Bruins. I Have, have you guys met him before? No, we I haven't met anybody because I moved here, right? and then right. everything shut down. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, but he knows me. You yeah. met him. Um, no, 
Bergy, you know, when I first joined the team, I'd interviewed him, I guess, a little bit when he would face Toronto and I was covering the Toronto Maple Leafs, but that was, you know, a hot minute here and there. But when I first moved, um, the PR guys who I've, I've uh, enjoyed working with, they just kept talking up what a, like, treat and what a pr- true professional and how amazing he is to work with. And I was like, all right, all right. Like, they're really talking him up. And I can't say enough about, um, you know, seconding their thoughts as how he treats the media. And we're like the scum of the earth and he treats us well. I can't imagine how he is in that locker room with, with the rookies and, and with even, you know, other veterans alongside him and with the coaching staff, you can see his, the utmost respect for them to um, love the guy and well, well-deserved. The team is in obviously great hands. A treat, Patrit Bergeron. Oh my God. Oh, oh. oh. I love that. That is so good. Mark the tape producer, Fred. Um, <laughs> How um, how different or how similar is he compared to uh, Big Z, who obviously is no longer here? Yeah, I think he's probably learned so much from Big Z. Uh, I think he he learned a lot of leadership from him. Very, God, I don't know, different. You know, like on the ice, they lead the same way. They're kind of like yeah. stoic. I wouldn't say quiet, but they 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 have a quiet confidence and. Um, a humility both of them have a humility to them so they're not like these cocky guys there's nothing wrong with that I think there's there's room for that as well everywhere we know uh, Marshy loves it and leads in that way as well but but they they both lead in that same way I guess you know their actions how about this their actions speak louder than words um, I like it and I think that's very true with how he he behaves you know with Z from what I understand first at the rink last at the rink and he never told, he didn't sit down the rookies or sit down the guys and say, you better be here uh, early. I think he just shows up early. It works super freaking hard. And it's intimidating when your captain is, especially his age, and Patrice is older now too, uh, is doing that. You have no excuse to, to sleep in, right? So they kind of lead that way by their actions and how they're going to yep. perform. Um, but I also think he, he does go out of his way to make phone calls, to make people feel welcome. I've heard, I've only been with the team for a year, right? But I've heard even as an alternate captain, he's calling, um, you know, some of the younger French kids like Jeremy Lozon, who doesn't speak English very well, but Patrice wants to make sure he feels welcome, knows that he can call him, that kind of stuff. So uh, little things to be a good leader. Yeah. um, Obviously he learned a lot from Big Z um, and he's been with the organization forever since 2003. Uh, but how different does it feel without Chara there right now? Yeah, I think um, it's, first of all, it sucks. The season's going to, like, I, we can't be in the rooms. We can't, the fans won't be able to be in the building for now, at least for the first half of the season, fingers crossed for a bit later. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, even when he comes back, which they are facing Washington, he's not going to get the reception he deserves. It's going to be just so different. It's going to be hard to judge. But I think that, and this is with like the utmost respect to Z, I think it's going to be really different for sure. But Patrice has been kind of like the like 1B captain or the alternate so long yeah. as well. And, and they've been so side by side that, um, you know, there are a lot of instances in all of sports that we can remember where a captain leaves or gets traded. And then the team's like, who the hell do we nominate? Like, it's, it wasn't the case here. We just joked about how it wasn't a surprise. So it's a very smooth transition. And, yeah, it is. And yeah, I don't think it's going to be like too different. I don't think it's going to be a shocker. And, that, and I'm trying to say that with the, the utmost respect to, to Z. But I think Patrice, like I said, took a lot of his cues from him and is going to continue that in the locker room. 
But when it comes to the blue line, right? How different is that now? Because a lot of focus falls on on Charlie McAvoy now. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a work in progress for sure. And I'm hoping that it's going to click. We're all hoping it's going to click at the end of you know training camp. But that's kind of unrealistic. Um, lots lots of it, different pairings that we can have. McAvoy absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't say it maybe in charge. He's only 23 years old, but like the buck's been passed to him. Um, but you know, with Kevin Miller coming back, if he is hundred percent healthy to play and he looks great out there, then that size, that leadership, that strength, that intimidation will be there. So that's going to be helpful. It won't be all on Charlie. Brandon Carlos is a big guy. He's expected to kind of grow into his role a little bit more. And then Matt Grizzlick in the absence of Tori Krug, but even like, you know, the Grizz is what, I think he just turned 27. So they're going to share that duty and going to give, uh, take the weight off Charlie a little bit, but absolutely like the presence of Tori and Z being gone in one season, that is not going to be easy to, uh, to just fix right away or replace right away. It's going to take a lot of, I think, gelling and chemistry, but um, they've got a good, they've got a good plan ahead of them. And even behind the blue line there, Tuka Rask, how big of a microscope is he going to be under this season, especially after the way like last year ended for him? Because he was yeah. outstanding during the regular season, but I feel like, you know, him opting out in the bubble gets all the attention. Yeah, it, and it did. He spoke with the media on Wednesday, he spoke with Nesson one-on-one, and, you know, we had to ask that question, and we did, and, and the media asked, you know, very detailed questions about why he left. Was it really an emergency with his family? And <clears throat> Tuka, like, he can get a little heated sometimes, you know, it's like, he can get frustrated when, and I get it, a 30 media around you bugging you about a save you didn't make or whatever, the play you didn't see. He was so chill. He was so calm. And I'm not saying um, indifferent. I think he was expecting it. And I think he was very confident in, in knowing that like his teammates had his back and he was like, listen, it was a surprise phone call to me, to him. You know, he got the phone call from his wife. His daughter was, went to the hospital yep. And it was like the night before the game. So he woke up first thing in the morning and he said, I, I had to tell the team, like, I was surprised by it. I didn't even see it coming. Um, and, you know, your, your mindset's different in that bubble. And he's just like, I got to get out. I, I think there is an element of, I'm not putting these words in his mouth, but I think there is an element of claustrophobia. Like the player said, it was really hard, right? The, yeah. The yeah. So just had to bounce. But anyway, I guess if you have the support of your teammates and your management and they came out and said right away, like, there's no question he's going to be back next season. This is his contract year. I think uh, I think getting those questions out of the way, it's over. He handled them well. The fact that he answered them with such detail and was calm about it, I know that like media's just not going to bug him about it anymore. Did what he had to do, and he's like focused. Razor was on our show with um, Bruins back to work, and Razor's like, so I can read body language in a goalie. He looks really happy. He looks good. He doesn't look concerned. He doesn't look stressed. Like not only physically but mentally, he's like joking around, laughing with the guys. And that's what you want to see as a Bruins fan. Like, are they, is he being isolated? No, they were just, you know, shooting the breeze, so to speak. And that's a good sign. I like Razor. Uh, yeah, he's the Canadian. <laughs> I like Razor. Uh, yeah, Razor and I are like best friends. So I totally agree with you. Uh, he might have a restraining out order for Emerson, <laughs> Sophia. Yeah. Um, Who does just, Mike? A, just a small um, one. Just, just a like small one. Miles. But uh, so, so. The, the whole thing with Rask and Halak, I think that kind of plays into the point of them being the betting favorites for yeah. their division this year because uh, obviously with the shakeup on the blue line, there's a lot of questions there with the pairings. Um, are, are you surprised to hear that they're the betting favorites with all the changes that they've had this offseason? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Actually, I didn't know that. Um, I wish I knew a little bit more about betting, but I know what you're like getting at. But yeah, yeah. I, 
Um, maybe a little bit, but I do think that the tandem in the net is so strong yeah. and that really, I wouldn't say outweighs anything else because it doesn't, but like everyone knows if you don't have a goalie or a consistent goalie, like you can have all the scores, but you're, you're going to be, you're going to struggle. Like case in point, the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, for a long time, have been struggling with getting consistent goaltending and for a long time, we're just missing the playoffs and really, really going through slumps when they had all these great, like Claude Giroux, Voracek, Jakob Voracek, they had the, all these great snipers. And now they've got consistent goaltending and Carter Hart and they were doing really, really well. So anyway, that's, that's just a point in, 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 or even the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, when they had Sidney Crosby and Malkin and when goaltending um, was struggling, the team's struggling too. So with Tuka and Halak, performing if they perform like they did last year even close like they did last year i can see why the betting world would have confidence um and they still got it's not like they lost their top you know top six forwards possibly it's not going to start the season but they still got the snipers at the top too so that combo uh is going to do well for them for sure yeah i mean i think it's just because it's a little more condensed so like depth is like yeah. magnified like that much with you know goalies obviously needing like a night off like here and there if you have someone who could step in it just makes your life like that much easier but you mentioned pasta what's the latest with him like when can we expect him back well good question bruce cassidy just said that um the timeline is maybe a week or two earlier maybe maybe there's a lot of maybes around there it was couched but he was expected mid-february now he said it could be at the start of the Feb February, could be maybe like a couple days in and a week or two in this season is, you know, like 20 games. It's, it's a big deal. So let's ballpark, let's circle beginning of February instead of mid February, but that's still TBD, but that's the latest there. I mean, nice yeah. seeing Brad out there. I know I was about to say Brad, he, it seems like his recovery was much faster than anticipated having sports hernia surgery back in September. And he says he expects, to play in the season opener that's that's a big deal yeah that's the after hours boost when you're a friend of the program you know you heal what? quicker he's like wolverine oh you know, <laughs> marchand right 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 so we gave him that little boost yeah no i mean that is a great sign because when we were doing uh when was the show i guess it was end of september ish beginning of october yeah beginning of october the back to work ruins show we reported that and we were like brad it's not going to be ready for the start of the season pasta's not and he's skating around looking all fiery like he does. So, yes, he said he's expected to start. But Brad's so, like, um, what's the word? He's just so antsy to get out there. So, of course, he'd say that. But even Bruce kind of backed that up. He said, we'll have to see what we're hoping. Um, <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Don't rush yeah, it. He's not going to. But it's definitely not like a, a no. So, that's good. And what's crazier, I don't know if you guys heard Brad say this. But Brad said that this injury has been nagging him for, like, a couple years. And he's like, I've been playing at 80% of my level for the last few years. Like I am finally ready to give, I feel like a hundred right now, I'm ready to give it. So if that was 80%, holy hell, I can't wait to see 100. Like that's gonna be great. I, I think uh, before people forget that these athletes are like the, the damage and the, the stress they're putting on their body, not just during the season, but the preseason and off season, like they're, they're constantly working. Like, I don't really know if any players ever going a hundred percent Right, 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 right. That's true. Oh. Like you've got I mean, it. I did. I did back did? in my day. Intramurals, I'm floor hockey, floor hockey champion. I was God, a goalie. No, no. I was fine. I was 100%. How you know, many also weighed like 150 pounds more so you could shoulder <laughs> a little bit more. How yeah, college, college Emerson was thicker. <laughs> uh, thicker, thicker. That's what we're going to say, huh? 
What'd you say? So, <laughs> I said, um, how many seasons did you play at 100? I would, I played like four seasons, dude. I started <laughs> off on like the JV team and then I was like three years varsity. I you lost my fourth year, my, yeah. my first senior year, I lost in the championship game as the goalie, okay? And then my second senior year, my fifth year overall, I won it. This is, this is, we could do a whole podcast. <laughs> All right. I missed that. I see. I missed that. I was going to, I was just like concentrating on what you were saying. Listen, next time I'm on, show me some sort of like either a Jersey, a medal, a ribbon. She wants evidence. I, saying- <laughs> uh, yes. I have, I have a picture and like Celia was pointing out. Yes. It, it is a college Emerson. It is a ver- you guys wouldn't believe this photo. I promise you. It's like, <laughs> okay. the face is obviously the same. It's a little bit heftier. Yeah, all it's right, got like an extra right. chin strap to okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, Jerk, before you get out of here, what's the best case scenario and worst case scenario for the Bruins this season? Oh, like you mean like like a fun, just, like just, at the end of the season? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, worst case, they're dealing with injuries and, and un- right? testing issues and stuff like that. And their their best are not in the lineup and screws up all their chemistry and they don't play well. Best case... Freaking cups coming back. Duh. Well, Hello. Hello. Okay. Hey, okay. hey, hey. Duh. Just wanted to see where you were going with that, sister. Okay. That's all. Okay. You got, you heard it. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on today. We're looking forward right. to all the coverage this season. Um, I, 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 everyone's ha- happy to see hockey back. Everyone oh, literally. I'm so pumped guys. And like, who knows what's going to happen. Charlie Baker was saying a couple things. I know. I know they're trying. They're trying to get fans back in, even at 25% capacity. Mm. Praying for that. But uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and love being on. So call me midseason. Let's talk again. Yeah, let's chat. chat. The back-to-work show, is that until the the season, until puck drop from the season, or is that just this week? You want to plug that? Go ahead, plug that. Yeah, so you guys, this is uh, Friday, so one more tonight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think I should probably know. Maybe not Thursday. I don't know. No, that's uh, fine. <laughs> but close enough. It's gonna go till the end, till the puck drops. So yeah, let's just say a couple days next week. Boom, and then hockey's back. Oh All right. God, so Steele and I will see you on uh, Friday. Yeah, we'll see you yeah. back in there later. Yeah, we'll see Which you in the tonight. Bring applesauce. I already do. I'm fine. Thank you though. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, you guys. Later, dude. Bye, so. All righty. Uh, so yeah. we got we're talking Bruins, uh, and now we got to talk some Patriots. Yep, don't Podcast be just, just got a little more hairier. Yeah, bearded wonder Zach Cox, <laughs> Nesson.com. and what what is the podcast you do? I always forget. It's the Patriots Insider Podcast for Nesson or something. Correct. Me. It's the Nesson Patriots word. Podcast. Real, oh, real that's simple. Easy. Very. Oh my God, uh, throwing word. extra yeah. words in there. <laughs> But well, no, I, I, was, I was tempted to go dig up my uh, my UNH flag football intramural championship yes. t-shirt out of my closet here with, with that Emerson uh, <laughs> floor hockey talk. It's what I'm saying. Never let go. Never let go. Now, I'm pretty sure early on in my marriage with Meg, I had to get rid of that like intramural championship shirt. All of these fantastic graphic tees that I own. You got to stash it somewhere. You got to save it. That's a keepsake. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, it's good to have you here. How are you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Uh, it's a little weird to have it be what's today, January seventh, and yeah, happy Patriots. New Year, happy yeah, New Year, ha- happy New Year, <laughs> and have the Patriots already eliminated from uh, from the playoffs, not even competing 
in the wild card round this year. It's strange. It hasn't happened in a very long time. Um, and yeah, now just kind of approaching this, this postseason from a sort of an outsider's perspective, it, it, it's a different, different. experience. Yeah. Um, we, we want you to kind of come and, and talk to us about some superlatives, but uh, more so I want to talk a little bit about, about cam. What's, what's the yes. future like for cam? It sounds like according to reports that the Patriots haven't ruled out potentially bringing back Cam Newton next year. And I could see it theoretical. I, I can see the argument for it saying that, Oh, all right. Well, if you give Cam Newton a full off season in this Patriot system, you boost up the weapons a little bit, give them a, another wide receiver, a, a quality tight end, give them a couple more months here. Maybe he can take, make strides as a passer in 2021. I personally don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't be particularly confident in Cam Newton coming back next year, even with a, with a better supporting cast and being the quarterback that Patriots fans thought he was going to be uh, maybe for those first couple of weeks of the season. So if I had to make a prediction, the Patriots will go with somebody who is not Cam Newton, kind of a say, thank you very much for your hard work. We really appreciate everything you did this year. You, you kind of, you put in the work for sure, but we're going to go in a different direction. And I don't think Cam would, would hate that either. It did sound like he got a little bit worn out just by how much time he had to put in to try to master this Catch offense up. and learn this offense. Yeah. But yeah, it, if, if I had to make a prediction, I would say that it's somebody other than Cam Newton next year. All right. So if, it, if it's not him, then are, are we talking like they'll draft a quarterback maybe with that 15th overall pick that they currently are? Are they going to spend in free agency? They have a lot of money right now on their hands. I do think they should draft a quarterback at some point. I think maybe if they had ended up in pick number 10, pick number 11, pick number 12, something like that, it might've been a bit more realistic at 15. I think it's going to be tough unless someone like Trey Lance falls to that level. Yeah. Uh, which most people aren't expecting. I wouldn't be blown away by that, given the questions that are around him. But uh, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, go get Mac Jones from Alabama at that number 15 spot. I think that's going to be a reach. I personally like Mac Jones from what I've seen so far, but drafting the fifth overall quarterback at pick number 15, so that would basically be a third-tier yeah. prospect. Alabama quarterbacks have, have sucked recently, too, in the NFL. Yeah. I'm just going to point It's not that a great out. track record there, obviously. And the fact that I was looking this up yesterday, five quarterbacks have been drafted in the top 15 once in NFL history. And that was back okay. in 1999. I think that even though Jones played really well this year and he's made himself into a legitimate prospect, I think he's maybe a guy the Patriots could target in the second round if, if he's still available there. But I think they're in kind of a weird dead zone for quarterbacks at number 15. So I, I would expect that they go a different direction uh, with that pick. But yeah, then obviously they'll have to get somebody in free agency. So like, who would that be? Because it's expected to be a decent market, is it not? A, a half decent market. Potentially. Yeah. A, a lot of people have, have talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that's Ooh. probably their best option. If assuming that San Francisco is willing to part ways with him, ideally, if they just straight up release him because trading him, you have to take on his contract and yeah. there are all kind of hoops to jump through there. But I think that would probably be the best option for them at the moment. Other options you're, you're looking at kind of a, a bridge type guy, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Jacoby Brissett or a Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton, those kind of guys. So 
they would tip, they would ideally be paired with a relatively high draft pick uh, with the hopes that that draft pick would take over sooner rather than later, which obviously is a, uh, a bit of a risk with, with where they are drafting. And, and then there's always a chance that someone like Matthew Stafford uh, is the, the lions are willing to trade him. I personally don't think they should. I think Matthew Stafford is still a pretty good quarterback that has done a lot of good things for Detroit, but there, there are a lot of options out there. It's going to be really interesting to see how everything shakes out. If I had to predict, I would say they, if, if they can't get Garoppolo, I think they go bridge option with a rookie Another and, bridge. There and mm. just kind mm, of mm, see mm, what works mm, for mm. there. That's probably not the, uh, the option that Patriots fans would love, nope. but it, it's rebuild finding a new quarterback and rebuilding a quarterback room is is not easy as the patriots are currently finding out considering tom brady left almost a year ago and they really aren't any closer to finding who that next guy is going to be big big shoes to fill i (laughs) i don't know i don't know how they will ever be filled to be honest i mean that's just it's hard. It's, it's yeah, it will, it will never be. You won't see a run like that ever no, again. No. Um, real quick before we get off, I don't want to bog this down with uh, quarterback talk, but it, the report about Cam, you know, the best fit with him being at, at Washington, Schefter said this on EEI, uh, two years with incentives around 40 to 50 million. Is he really worth that much? <laughs> That's crazy. I don't think so. I, yeah. I don't think he's going to, to earn that much this offseason. Um, he earned a million bucks with the Patriots. Like what is Schefter talking about? He's going to get more than a million this off season, (laughs) even with how poorly he, he uh, performed as a passer, he's going to get more than a million. He'll probably make, I don't know, somewhere in like the six to 10 million range, just because that's what even backup quarterbacks make. Um, I think AJ McCarron made five or 6 million this year. Case Keenum made 6 million. He's going to get something in that, range maybe even a little bit higher if a team really views him as a starter but I don't know how a team can look at him and view him as a guy that they can say all right we're going to bring this bring Cam Newton in and he is going to be our starter yeah like I, is I just it more likely that he'll be a backup yeah like, I, I mean there's really, a the chance conversation. That, yeah there's a chance that Cam Newton could be a starter for some team next year but any team that brings him in has to be, it can't be any more than a, a starting quarterback competition just based on the way he performed this year. And yeah, 40 to 50 million over two years, I, I just think is way too high for, for Cam Newton with what we saw from him this year. And then even the, in the previous two years with the injuries, it's, he's too much of a risk at this point to be paying that much money. Maybe now that okay. Nick Casario is the GM of the Texans, he could just trade Deshaun Watson to New England. That'd be Come absolutely- on, Nick. Help out Let's your old go. boy, Bill. Yeah, I right? think they might have to fold as a franchise if that <laughs> happens because I, I, I know that the folks in Houston already aren't too fond of the, the whole Patriots connection with, with the way that everything went down yeah, with right? Bill O'Brien and with – Yeah, if Bill Jack O'Brien Easterbees. was there, there would be a chance that he would trade Deshaun Watson here. <laughs> it's, this would just be some, some Bill Belichick, like sleeper cell kind of stuff. It was yeah, a, right? long, a long game to get uh, – to get Deshaun Watson to New England, yeah. He's like, I, I'll fans give you would love Deshaun that, but I think, Watson, yeah. And you give me Nick Folk, and we'll call it a deal. What's the biggest need? <laughs> fair trade. <laughs> yeah, super fair. What's the biggest need besides quarterback? Tight ends, a big one. Receivers, a big one. Defensive line is a big what, one. What is Linebacker it? is a big one. <laughs> Basically, there are. You could look at almost every position group on this Patriots roster and and call it a need, except for 
I think they're good at running back. They're pretty good at safety, assuming Devin McCourty comes back, which he is planning on doing. And they're reasonably good at offensive line. If they can re-sign David Andrews, I I don't think they'll be able to keep Joe Tooney. I think he's going to make too much money. So even that has some question marks. This is really an offseason where the Patriots have needs all over the place. Uh, I think tight end has to be pretty high up there just because we've seen how much better this offense is when they have some semblance of a pass catching threat at tight end, which they really haven't had since Rob Gronkowski left. They were the worst tight end group in 2019 uh, in, in terms of total receptions by players at that position. And then they got significantly worse in that category this year, despite going out and drafting two players in the third round. And I think it's too, too early to give up on Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. The deck was kind of stacked against them with no off season and no preseason. And both of them spent time on injured reserve tight ends, a tough position for rookies to learn anyway. So there is a chance that both of those guys or one of those two guys can develop into a, a legitimate contributor for the Patriots. But it's really hard for this Patriots offense to be operating at the level it needs to when tight ends are just a complete zero in, in the passing game. So I, I really think that they need to go out and and make some sort of veteran addition at that position, whether it's Hunter Henry, who Bill Belichick really loves, he raved about him before the chargers game this year, whether it's Johnny Smith, whether it's Jared cook from the saints who they made a push for a couple of years ago, uh, Gerald Everett is going to be out there too from, uh, from the Los Angeles Rams. So there are going to be some, some options out there. I don't think they necessarily have to get a Henry, uh, the kind of number one top tier guy. I think that would certainly help, but I think they do need to make some sort of addition to that room because they can't really be banking on Asiasi and Keen becoming top level guys next season. Would you call this, I mean, I, I, I just feel like it's fair to say this, but a complete rebuild for this Ooh. team. Oh, it's, it's pretty close. I, I mean, in terms of, it depends on what you're kind of classifying as a rebuild, because I do think there's a decent chance that the Patriots could be competitive and could be a playoff team next year. Just with really the pieces that they had, they do have some pieces in place. There's the Bills, and then we've seen the Dolphins are 10 win team that make playoffs They're rising up too. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's going to be a lot harder in the AFC East moving forward with, with the talent that Buffalo and, and Miami has, but and Adam Gase is gone now. <laughs> yeah. You never I know. Can't, if, I can't maybe, the maybe the Jets will finally figure something out too. But uh, I just think with all the cap space that the Patriots have, uh, they're currently set to enter the offseason with the fourth most cap space in the NFL. It's probably going to be upward of 60 million. Uh, we don't know exa- the exact numbers cause they haven't set the cap yet, but that's a ton of, of money to play with. And they do have a lot of needs as we just discussed, but I think if they can even find a serviceable quarterback for next season, I, I think there's a very real chance that they can make the, the necessary moves to become at least a 10 win team. Again, I, I, I don't know if they would be back in Super Bowl contention right away. I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't predict that. Uh, but I, I think with the, with the resources that they have and with the kind of brain trust that they still have, even though they did just lose Nick Casario, they've lost a lot of other coaches and, and executives over the last couple of years. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots are right back in the mix next year, honestly. Wow. Wow. Let's, I hope so. That would be nice. But cause uh, I feel like people in new England are not familiar with this and, and it's very unsettling for them to be no. eliminated so early out of postseason contention that this is not a familiar feeling for, for people in this area over the last 
two decades. No, certainly not. No. And it's better for our job, too, when these teams are good, for crying out loud. <laughs> I don't have to talk so negatively all the time. I know. Um, not fun. Zach, you want to dish out some team superlatives with us, please? We need your let's help. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we'll start off with uh, with real simple stuff here. MVP, who is your Patriots MVP for the 2020 season? Jacob Bailey, the Patriots oh, punter. Jake nice. Bailey, most valuable punter, most valuable player, <laughs> which is kind of an indictment on what the Patriots were as a whole this year because you really don't want your punter to be your best player. No. But <laughs> if you look at the Patriots roster, there's really only one player that you can argue was the best player in the NFL at his position. I guess maybe two, if you include Matthew Slater in there, but yep. Jake Bailey was, he was a pro bowler. He was, he led the NFL in, in net punting ranked second in punts inside the 20 overall, he was a stud and he was one of the really one of the bright spots for this Patriots team as, as sad as that sounds. Uh, and he honestly really helped the Patriots offense get out of a lot of uh, negative situations that they were in. So Patriots obviously hoping that, that isn't the case next year. They want Bailey to continue to be performing at the level that he has, but yeah, you don't want your punter to be the MVP, but I really can't think of another, another valid option on this team. Honestly, as, as sad as that is. So Jake Bailey, the MVP, who is your most improved, most improved uh, for this one. I also went special teams. I went with Gunnar Olszewski. Yeah, um, nice. the, the fact that there's a real special teams trend for through all this kind of speaks to what this team was as a whole they were really good on special teams shaky on offense shaky on defense uh but if you look at Olszewski's numbers this year I was actually pretty surprised with where he ended up as a punt returner uh he was fun to watch this year and and you obviously saw the punt return uh touchdown the one that got called back but looking at his season-long stats he he averaged 17.3 yards per punt return that was the best in Patriots history uh broke um, Julian Edelman's franchise record from 2012, I believe. Um, yeah, he, he had Edelman averaged 15.5 in 2012. Uh, Oshesky also led the NFL in that category, led the NFL in overall uh, punt return yards. And that 17.3 average was actually the second best in NFL history or in post-merger NFL history, at least. So second best mark since 1970 uh, among qualified punt returners, which surprised me honestly, when I saw that stat, but it just kind of speaks to how much of a, uh, an asset he was to, to that punt return unit. And it really shows the growth that he was able to make. I mean, this is a guy that was a division two cornerback and, and return man two years ago, barely made the Patriots roster as a rookie was okay as a rookie, but then spent a lot of time on injured reserve and looked kind of he looked like a developing player. And then this year he came out and it was really an asset in that role. So yeah, Gunnar Olszewski, most important player for me or most improved right. player rather. Yeah, most I got you. I got you. Most likely to succeed. So who's set up for a big 2021? I think Jacoby Myers. <clears throat> Jacoby Myers is uh, he was great this year. Was he the, the, the top receiver for this team? He was, yeah, he was the top receiver for this team. Yeah. He was one of the top receivers in the NFL basically since he, um, from that point in week seven where he took over for Nikhil Harry when Nikhil Harry suffered a concussion. Because you remember Myers barely played at all for the first six weeks of the season. Uh, he was a healthy scratch for one or two of those games. But then after that, he he really seized his opportunity. He was 15th in the NFL or among all NFL wide receivers in catches and receiving yards over those final 11 weeks. 
and his stats compared to other Patriots uh, players in that time is pretty staggering. Uh, so Jacoby Myers over those final 11 games, 58 catches, 722 yards, very solid. If you extrapolate yes. that over a whole season, that's a, that's a thousand yard, uh, a thousand yard season. Every single other Patriots wide receiver and tight end over that same span had 64 catches for 794 yards. So basically <laughs> Jacoby Myers was basically half of the Patriots passing game. If, if yep. you take out uh, James White and Rex Burkhead and, and the running backs, I really think that he solidified himself as a player that can continue to be uh, an asset and a contributor for the Patriots moving forward. I, I don't think the Patriots would be in terrible shape if Jacoby Myers is their number two receiver next season. I do think they would be in pretty bad shape if Jacoby Myers is their number one receiver next season, because as good as he was, I don't think he's a guy that you can slot in there in that number one role, which the Patriots did a lot this season with, with Myers and Demir bird. They need to improve that position group. They need a top end talent in there. Uh, in, in some way, there are a lot of um, talented receivers available in free agency. And I definitely would expect them to be active in, in that market, but Jacoby Myers, from where he was at the beginning of the year, barely being able to be on the field and now looking like a, a guy that the Patriots can legitimately build around in that receiving core. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely think he's set up for f- uh, future success. How upset are Patriots fans going to be if they lock up like one or possibly two really big stud wide receivers and free agency. And you're like, like uh, why didn't this happen two years ago? <laughs> a year ago, I feel like they're just going to be like, oh, it's a little late now. But I mean, better now than never. Um, this next one, most disappointing. Most disappointing. I think you have to stick in the um, in the receiving core there and go Nikhil mm-hmm. Harry. First round draft pick two years ago, just really hasn't panned out. I mean, I, I know that Harry has a lot of defenders and a lot of people who have said that the uh, Patriots poor quarterback play has kind of held him back. Uh, there's some validity to that. The Patriots quarterback play was not particularly good this season, but a guy you draft 32nd overall in the first round. And in his second season, he has, he had what, like 30 catches for 300 yards. I think it was. Yeah. 33 yeah, catches. This just hasn't worked out. <laughs> 309 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. It hasn't worked out. And especially when you look at how, awesome that receiver class was last year i mean that's dk metcalf that's aj brown that's terry mclaurin uh deontay johnson even go all the way down to guys like hunter renfro there were basically 10 or 11 receivers drafted in that draft who have been more productive and have seemingly brighter futures than Nikhil harry and Nikhil harry was the second one drafted in that draft so it's been a really disappointing two-year stretch for him i don't think he's going to be a lock to make the roster in 2021, even though he was a first round pick, he probably will. But at this point, this is a guy that you've got to imagine the Patriots were expecting to become their number one wide receiver this year, because they really didn't have another obvious candidate for that, especially with Julian Edelman hurt. And it didn't happen. I mean, if he's probably going to, if he does stick on the team, he's probably going to enter as at best, the number three receiver next year, probably the number four receiver, unless she shows some significant improvement over these next couple of months. And that's really disappointing for a Patriots team that finally took a shot on a first round receiver, which they hadn't done in forever. And then it, it turns out to be Nikhil Harry. So yeah, it's just been a really disappointing first couple of years for him. No kidding. Cox, it was a uh, really good talking to you. I hope you enjoy 
uh, some of this extra free time that you're not really used to this time of year from the past handful of years you've been covering the team. Thanks for hanging out with us, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Zach. All righty, Emerson. There you uh, go. I, I mean, the Celtics have been have been looking pretty dang good. I'm, I'm yeah, impressed with Pey- Peyton Pritchard, the rookie. Yep. Uh, I mean, literally. Hall of Famer right now. On him for yeah, only now. active Hall of Famer in the NBA. It's Peyton Richard. <laughs> Literally, I've been guy. hype on him. Jalen Brown's tearing it up too. Um, so I, I feel decent about the Celtics. Obviously, I, I'm not convinced still kind of on their bigs, how they're going to handle being in, in some bigger situations with some of these, these better guys like Joel Embiid and whatnot. But uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, those guys. But I do like the Celtics, what I'm seeing right now. Um, it's fun stuff. It is fun stuff. And then I'm looking forward to the Bruins as well. Um, yeah. Who do you think is going to have a better year, the Bruins or the Celtics? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, if I had to pick right now, gun to my head, I'm going – I'm actually going to go Bruins just because I feel like there's uh, more competition right now for the Celtics. Yeah, I, I would little, have to little agree. More, that's, that was going to be more, my response to that one. Yeah, a little more difficult, like in in the East in, in the conference as a whole for for the Celtics. Of course, yeah, as we the, get like deeper into it, maybe this cluster at the top of the Eastern Conference will break up because you got 76ers on top right now. Magic are six and two somehow. somehow. And um, yeah, it's early. <laughs> it is it is really it, early. But there is there early. is, and I know there was so much focus for the Bruins. Um, not to go back to that conversation mm-hmm. forever here, but there was so much focus on like what they didn't do in the off season. Yeah. But they still have so much talent in order to carry them. There is a reason they have the fifth best cup odds right now and best odds in their division. So goaltending, well, uh, man. goaltending and their yeah. forwards that, that plays a huge role. Yeah. And the veteran, yeah. The, blue line. Yeah. Veteran experience and, and leadership, but um, good stuff. This was good. Good first podcast, man. We had a couple of 2021. Yeah, man. Totally. Next, uh, next week we will be back and, Thanks for um, doing everything that you do, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) Uh, Everybody, thank you so much for joining us on the Nesson After Hours podcast. We will see you guys next week.